Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. This is our fifth installment of our series on leadership. We have in our studio again today, Gwen Meyer, master neuro trainer, as well as a change facilitator and all around corporate guru. Gwen and I are doing this series because we both feel that there is a current deficiency in positive and inspirational leadership worldwide. And we hope to help in some small way to reach out and reignite the fire in others so that it spreads. Gwen Meyer from Incremental Steps is an approved and certified YB12 performance coach. YB12, of course, stands for your best 12 months. She's also trained in the latest evidence-based neurochange research accredited by the NeuroChange Institute, associated with educational institutions such as Harvard and multiple other high-quality universities. She helps corporate leaders develop their teams, embrace change, and increase engagement and performance in all aspects of life and work in the quickest and most impactful way. Before we begin, we want to recap the key ideas concepts from the last four sessions. Before we begin, we want to recap the key ideas and concepts from the last four sessions. We discussed in session one that as a leader, we need to check our ego. We need to be an amateur psychologist. We need to have a sincere interest in others. We need to be a leader, not a buddy. We need to do what's asked of our own teams. We need to protect ourselves and our own attitudes. And of course, we need to be a role model. In the second session, we discuss the importance of clear communication, keeping it simple, thinking big, and having our team's backs. And we also talked about being a duck. In the third session, we talked about choosing the right people, keeping it simple, making people feel important, leading even when it's easier just to do it yourself, not asking and saying just what people want to hear, making sure that the team understands the objectives. And of course, in the fourth session, we discussed how to criticize and correct others the right way, that as leaders, we need to create an environment where obstacles fire up our teams instead of demotivate them, and that we need to remember that as leaders, we're always on stage, and sometimes we have to lay it on the line. Today, we're going to start off, we're going to discuss several different issues, but today we're going to start off with the idea that it's important to teach people to do it, and this might sound a little silly, but it's important to teach people that it's better to do it right than poorly. I heard a long, long time ago a interview with a very talented musical teacher who has had several, several people be very successful in their chosen endeavor. And that's one of the things that she says is the first thing that she focuses on with her students is teaching them that it's better to do well than do badly. And that sounds a little crazy, but it goes back to the idea of that perfect practice makes perfect practice doesn't make perfect. So we need as leaders to be focusing on creating a inner drive to do their best. Gwen, what would you like to add to that? 
Well, whilst I agree with you, Matt, and lovely to be here, by the way, again, mm. I, yes, I understand that concept of better to look at doing good quality first time round. But also there's the contrary argument, which is so many people that are perfectionists uh, will constantly delay and delay and delay putting something out there because they're afraid and they want it to be perfect. They want it to be right first. And what I say is sometimes it's better just to take that first step and it doesn't have to be perfect initially. You will become perfect with practice and with effort and with focus. And so, yes, part of that argument I think is absolutely right. It is better to be quality driven and to do things as, you know, first up in, in the right way. But I also think that we get hung up on perfectionism and there is no such thing as perfect, but it takes practice to learn the right things in the right way in order to get to the quality that you're looking for. Mm. Okay. Well, I can see why you would say that, you know, and, and I agree with it. I mean, we talked about perfect practice. So mm. if they're not practicing at all, then they're definitely not doing it perfectly. No. So, but what I was trying to say is it's better to, and what I, maybe I miss misstated my my idea there but the point I'm trying to make is that you have to practice as perfect as you can and I heard once a saying I can't remember who told me this and they were talking about speakers and I but I think it goes to any any field of endeavor is that amateurs practice until they get it right professionals practice until they can't get it wrong Oh, absolutely. So obviously it's called practice. So the very first time you do something, you're not going to do it perfectly. But you need to build on each small success like we talked about in the previous session where we talked about the Betty Nesmith story where they have the repeater tendency where they build on each small success and eventually they get to the point where I think Seinfeld says that when he's talking about his comedy routine. He says that with his comedy routine, you can shake him and wake him up in the middle of the night, smack him with a fish. Okay, because he's a comedian and uh, he can do his routine perfectly. Yes, you and know? that's and, because and of the, the focus and because of the effort that he's put in first and then he's built that over time right. incrementally to get to that level of mastery. Mm-hmm. And it's when you get to mastery that you go mm-hmm. into what we call the state of flow mm-hmm. where it becomes effortless and you can really then start enjoying what you're doing. So absolutely, I totally get that. Mm. It's the um, same thing in the service. You know, yeah. you could shake me when I was sleeping and yeah. they would say, and they'd say, what's your first general order? And yeah. boom, you'd know what it is. Yeah. But is there anything else you'd like to add to that point? Or Well, what, what that does is it becomes habitual mm. and then becomes automatic, which is why it's really important, which is part of your first point as well, is to get it to be able to practice the right way. And to have the right skills so that when you do get to that state of mastery and it becomes habitual, it becomes automatic, uh, which is why then it becomes more fluid and you go into flow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think it was Vince Lombardi, who is a famous coach, football coach, actually. And I, uh, real football, American football. And 
I might be butchering this quote, but he said that winning or success is not a sometime thing. It's an all the time thing. And again, in the military, they say the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in combat. Okay, so the point is you need to have your staff focused on practicing as best as they can. And of course, there's room for mistakes, Mm -hmm. but you need to build and learn from those mistakes. That's correct. To get to the point of mastery, just like karate. If you start doing karate or judo or whatever, you don't walk into the studio the very first day, stack up a bunch of cinder blocks, take your head, smash it, and break the cinder blocks. You have to reach a certain level of mastery first. And interestingly, carrying on this analogy, the first thing they teach you if you study martial arts or you know, if it's a self-defense course in the service or any other self-defense course is how to fall. How to get how to get your how to fail first, how to get beat up first with with the least amount of pain. And that's what we need to do with our people. We need to teach them how to fail and then build and build and build until they're masters. Yeah, and, and interesting, Matt, because failure or making mistakes rather than failure is actually a good thing mm-hmm. if you learn the lesson. And and science has shown and research has shown that actually the people that learn through making mistakes, actually build more neuroplasticity in the brain mm-hmm. and become better and better mm-hmm. at whatever skill that they go towards. Wow, I must have an yeah. amazing level Absolutely. of skill. Absolutely. But from all my mistakes, I, I just must. I, did I must you be learn the most, from them? Did I must you learn have from the them? most <laughs> neuroplastic brain out there. <laughs> the, po- the difference <laughs> is that those that make mistakes and don't learn and then either give up mm. or go on to something else. So mm. if you keep at that skill, Build confidence, keep doing it, practice makes permanent. Mm. Okay, so, and again, if we go back on to our martial arts analogy type thing here that I developed a second ago, uh, that reminds me of when I used to be on the wrestling team. And this is something we need to, and this kind of ties into a point that we made on the last show, but we need to encourage our staff to figure out ways to turn negatives into positives. For example, in wrestling, you get two points to take the guy down. You get one point for an escape or two points for a reversal, which means you're in a bad position. You figure out the positive. You get out of it and turn it to your advantage. So that's the attitude that we need to have with our staff where the and we talked about this last time where obstacles should fire up our staff rather than demotivate them. So I I, I want to talk a little bit more about that. How do we turn the alleged failures, mistakes, whatever, into the positives? How do we get them in that mind frame where they view those as like the old Chinese story of the horse, you know, mm-hmm. where uh, I think everybody's familiar with that. But with the stallion. Yeah, yes. yeah, where, where the guy gets that a new... Perspective. Yeah, where the guy gets the new horse. Yes. Uh, uh, the villagers get a horse and they say, hey, that's great. And then the, the son falls off the horse and breaks their arm. Oh, that's bad. And then the army comes and takes all the men except for the son because he's got a broken arm. Hey, that's great. And then it goes back and forth and back and forth. So what's your feedback on that? It's all about perspective, but it's about looking at mistakes and looking at obstacles and challenges as a way to overcome, to find solution. So instead of looking at obstacles as something to stop you, and to get that gets in your way of achievement or gets in the way of solution is to look at it as a means to actually tap into resourcefulness, creativity, and to reframe. Mm-hmm. So 
potentially when you see an obstacle to see, well, what is it that I can learn? How can I get around this? How, what do I need to do in order to overcome this? Mm -hmm. And you build capacity that way. Mm. Or what is the gift in this? What is it that I'm learning that's going to be of benefit not only f to me but to others in the future? So what it is is it changes the negative perspective from the defeatist to the positively optimistic. Mm. There's a really good YouTube TEDx talk done by Kelly McGonigal. And she talks about how, how high performers, um, M-C-G-O-N-I-G-A-L. And what she talks about is utilizing stress uh, and changing it to your advantage. Mm. And all high performers and people that have mastered a task can look at stress as positive or negative. And if you look at it as positive, then you can look at challenges as a way for you to grow and as a way for you to overcome and become better and master the skills. Great. Yeah. Well, on that positive note, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Junior e Radioton. Vuoi sostenere anche tu la tua radio del cuore? È semplicissimo. Telefona durante tutto il mese di giugno in ufficio 8212-3177. Oppure in studio all'8212-3599 per donare con la vostra carta di credito. Puoi anche donare sul nostro sito internet www.italia1.com.au Altrimenti passa il radio per un caffè. Il Radioton si concluderà con una cena al Molfetta Club ricca di musica e intrattenimento. Costo 55 dollari a persona. Sabato 3 luglio dalle 18.30. Prenotatevi chiamando all'ufficio di Radio Italia 1 8212-3177. Oppure con Angela 0401 598 448. Con Luciana 0421 333 123. Con Pina 0418 812 839. Sostenete la vostra radio del cuore. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you'll receive a free 250-gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. I'm Anna Faruja of Chapel Funerals. My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you. So please call me, Anna Faruja, at Chapel Funerals on 8182 5100. 
Hi, this is David Heath, and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music, and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia 1 sta cercando te. Chiama l'82 123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello, we're back with Gwen Meyer in the studio, NeuroChange Master Trainer and Change Facilitator and YB12 Performance Coach. In the last session, we talked a little bit about how we need to help our teams understand and adopt the philosophy of how to turn negatives into positives. So would you like to kind of recap that real quick? Because we didn't get a chance to finish your thoughts on that. In summary, it's about looking at obstacles and challenges in a way that is helping towards your growth. It's what can I learn from this? What skills am I learning? What attributes? How am I growing as a person? And what solution? Mm. You know, how can I get around this? Mm. The the positively optimistic person looks at challenges and which you're going to get every day in life as a way to overcome mm. and as a way to grow. Mm. So it's that growth mindset that we're looking at. Whereas the defeatist looks at life as a series of unfair struggles. It, life is too hard. We're never going to manage this. We're never going to do this. And it is about the way that we think. Mm. It's the way that we condition to think. And if we can just reframe that and look at it in a different perspective, based on the way we think, it, what we do is we create a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. So if we think that life is too hard, that it, it's never going to work out, that we're never going to be able to solve this problem, then guess what? Mm. It becomes hard. Mm. And you will find exactly that's what your experience is. Mm. Whereas if you're looking at the positive and you can reframe it and say, well, you know, I'm not quite sure how to do this yet. I'm developing my skills, but um, I will find a way. I'll find the people. I'll find the resources. Yes, we'll get to it. It might take us a while. And what that does is it does the opposite. Then you create an experience that is going to be more positive and that is more likely to work. Mm. I can't remember which cartoon character that is, but you were making me think of where he goes, oh dear, we're never going to make it. That's not, who, who's that? Droopy. Droopy yeah, Droopy the dog. Oh dear. Oh. You don't want to be a Droopy. But sometimes it's hard not to be a, sometimes it's hard not to be a Droopy. So uh, if that doesn't work, if you're if the personality of your team member can't get that get there yet, another thing you can do is you can try to teach these guys to turn it into a game, and you can even have competitions. And when I was managing salespeople, we used to ha- we used to tell stories 
about how we took the most negative situation and flipped it into a positive. And we would all kind of, when we'd sit down and talk or go out to lunch or dinner or whatever, and just, just heap praise on that person. Man, here's a story. Here's what I did. I took this and flipped it this way. Wow. You know, you make it into a contest yeah. to, and it's a game to say, how can you, so you get excited when you get in these cr- crummy situations because it's a chance to to flip it to something so positive you can brag about later. Absolutely. So, you know, you can even play games with yourself and teach your staff how to play those games. And I found that's really effective and fun, actually. I know that sounds a little Pollyanna silly, but that's that's the way that you, you want to encourage your staff. And, and I tell you, in my business career, all, and I wish I would have focused on that more. I mean, that was something that I did when I was young. And it was one of those things that I used to have a manager that used to say, it works so well, I quit doing it. You know, so that was one of the reasons I was successful in the first place is because that was my attitude. And, you know, that's that's what we want to try to instill in people. I want to talk a little bit about the fact that as a leader, that you need to be willing to change if you have to. And I I heard I, I don't remember where I heard this. I read it in a book somewhere years ago. So I'm not giving credit where credit is due, but I'm not taking credit for myself. But they were talking about the difference between workers, managers, and leaders. And they used the analogy of a logging company. And the workers are the guys cutting down the trees. The managers are the people, you know, making sure, telling the workers which trees to cut down, you know, making sure they've got the sharp saws, making sure they're hitting the quotas and doing the right things and everything's safe and all this. And the leaders are the ones in the treetops going, "Uh uh-oh, wrong forest. So... It makes me think of a story about Intel and Andy Grove, who later became, this was before he became CEO, but he was CEO of Intel. And as many of you know, and maybe some of you don't know, Intel was founded by doing really well, making memory chips. And Andy Grove was an exceptional human being. I mean, by the time he was 20, he had survived the Holocaust in Hungary. You know, he fled on foot into from Hungary after the Soviet invasion of Hungary to the United States. He had no he came to New York with no English. As soon as he learned English, he got out of New York and went out to the Silicon Valley. But anyway, besides that, he was an outstanding person. And this is kind of why he was able to rise so well. But Intel was at a point where they were just getting slaughtered by Japan. I mean, they were the industry industry leaders in memory chips, and Japan took it, took that market away from them, and they were getting slaughtered in the marketplace. And they were in a situation where they were Intel was in a crisis mode. You know, this huge corporation was about to go under, and Andy was on the board at the time, and he talked to the chairman of the board, and he said, "Listen, because they had no idea what to do." He said, well, he asked the chairman, he said, well, what, what would you do? What, well, suppose you fired all of us. And the chairman's like, huh? Well, if you fired all of us and got a new board in, what would the new board do? And he said, well, we're doing pretty well with microprocessors and nobody's competing with us on that. So I guess we just switched to microprocessors. And that's what they did. And Intel, again, had its next huge wave of expansion. So... As a leader, you need to be willing to have the courage and the guts to change, which is scary. And it's scary for them, and it's scary for the staff. 
So I'd like to you to talk about that for a little bit and get your feelings and and feedback on on that. Well, that that is really critical and it's key, which is why many businesses do strategic planning. And they do, you know, your five years ahead and your 10 years ahead. And they constantly need to reassess and not be complacent about where they're at, which is why there's measurement and why we constantly have this reporting to see how, you know, companies um, are doing against their competitors, about against other companies. But it's absolutely true that at, at the great leaders are the ones that are not afraid to reassess constantly, to reevaluate based on where they are, and to to make the calls, the hard calls about new directions. So it's the same whenever you're starting a new business and you try and you try and you explore and you go a certain direction and things don't work, then you know that it means that it doesn't work for a reason. So you you shift and you try something else and you keep exploring and you keep learning. And the great leaders are the ones that do not get set in their mindset, in their ways, that are constantly open to growing and to learning from others, to look at alternative perspectives and to also not be afraid to take on external expert advice where they don't know. So to actually outsource areas that are not their forte or to bring in and ask for help when they need it. I think that's a, a keen insight. Do you think we're we've talked enough about that, or should we and move, we should move on, or do you want to uh, expand on that a little bit more before we make our next point? No, I think that currently where we're finding ourselves in a lot of corporates and organisations now is that we're moving away from uh, the old authoritative way of leading to now a much more relational approach. Which um, you know leaders need to take now a more relational approach to leadership a more open approach and be humble and have a certain amount of humility about the fact that they're not expected to have all the answers and that we're working through a, a new way of being and that our leadership style is changing to one of more of a bold, conscious style of leadership, which is about going back to you know the people in our care and, you know, getting expert advice, looking at alternative solutions, being more open-minded and more flexible. And instead of, well, this is the way it's always been, you know, there doesn't seem to be other, you know, this is the way I've done it, this is the way it's always worked, and not opening themselves up to another way of thinking and another way of being. Mm. So it's just to be, you know, be more flexible. Mm. The great leaders are flexible. They're, mm. they're open and they're prepared to accept others' opinions. Mm. And that, that kind of goes back to a point that we made in an earlier session that I feel very strongly about, that issues and solutions, unless they have to do with integrity, should never, ever be more important than relationships, you know, as a leader. I mean, I, I used to have uh, one, of, one of the best managers I ever worked with would, and I used to, when I was a new manager, I used to, he used to drive me insane, actually, because you'd ask him his opinion in the staff meeting and he'd say, well, I've seen it done this way and I've seen it done that way. I think both work like he would never really take a stand. stand. OK, mm -hmm. and I thought, what a weasel. But the reality is, is, you know, he didn't tie his ego into specific things. And the reality is there are lots of ways to skin a cat. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and the important thing is to have the good relationships. So if X doesn't work, you can move to Y. Mm. And nobody's upset about it. Nobody's tied into one specific way of doing something. You have the flexibility to ensure success. That's right. And to, to as long as you're getting the outcome, it doesn't matter how you get there. Mm. Unless, of course, it's, it doesn't relate to the value system or to the vision. Mm. So, of course, it's always got to tie back to what the, the vision is for the company and the purpose. Mm. So how the various team members get there should not be an issue mm. as long as you are achieving the outcome because it goes back to autonomy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And that lack of the need to micromanage. Yeah, I think some of these problems yeah. come from the insecurity of the leader. Leader. You know, yeah. they really feel like they need to control everything and yeah. has to be done their way. And they're nervous about their staff outshining them. And that's just the worst kind of leadership. Yeah. I mean, the best kind of leadership and the people that we look up to are the people that don't like step on. The, I mean, in, in the service, we learn what's called the code of a gentleman. And it says that you don't step on those below you on the social ladder or lick the boots of those above you on the social ladder, okay? The best leaders reach down, grab the people, pull them up, and then push them past themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what real leadership is, mm-hmm. not uh, sitting on the on Mount Olympus, no. you know, and, and giving decrees. That's another issue. Yeah, so it's about, yeah, absolutely, it's about empowering those that are, you're working with you so that you can work alongside them because it's also not up to you to, have to find all the solutions, which is why we have complementary, you know, characters and personalities and skills mm. in a team. Mm. It's because we all have the different strengths that can come together. Mm. And especially in, as we said earlier on in this session, when you're going through really difficult challenges, it's very bonding mm-hmm. to actually be in something together and overcome mm and work through a problem Mm. so to look at it in that positive light when you're all in it together Mm. just one quick thing i want to point out here before we take a break that you said is i heard years and years ago and this is another thing i can't remember but i don't where i heard it but i don't want to take credit is someone said and they're talking about a team that if you and i think the exactly the same way why are you here absolutely differences are critical Mm. For creativity, mm. and um, that it's it, it's actually the differences, if they're managed in the right way, mm. that create innovation. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, we're gonna have a quick word from our sponsor once again. Yo, ciao, Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite, marble, Caesar stone, unique stone, granito, marmo, Caesar stone, unique stone. Thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom or furniture? Unique stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 8266-2280. Unique stone, we won't be beaten. Come on, che stai facendo? Yo, chiama adesso.
Lo sapevi che l'82% delle persone richiama più facilmente il nome di un'azienda vedendolo scritto su carta che in una pubblicità sui social media? Continua a valorizzare i metodi più tradizionali, toccare e tenere nelle proprie mani biglietti da visita, calendari promozionali, cataloghi. Maria Studio Printing è il tuo partner creativo di stampa e di marketing ideale. Si occupano di graphic design, sviluppo web, gestione di stampa, routing CNC e 3D carving, fotografia commerciale e riprese, offrendo consegne nello stesso giorno o entro tre giorni lavorativi. Maria Studio Printing può portare alla luce i tuoi progetti e crescere la tua impresa è facile. Per saperne di più, chiama l'8352-1268. Hello, I'm Peter Salerno. Please join me on Happy Business Radio every Monday 2-3 p.m. on Radio Italia Uno. We have lots of fun with very interesting guests. We talk about how to start, build and increase your business. Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Radio Italia Uno. Sito internet www.italiauno.com.au. Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram. Radio Italia Uno. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Before we dive right back into our discussion on leadership with Gwen Meyer, I want to tell you about the exciting Radiothon that we've got going on. Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM needs your help to continue to bring you quality programming and information to the Italian community. So now it's time for a Radiothon. We need your help by donating whatever you can to help us stay on the air. You can donate by calling the studio on 8212-3599 and go into the draw to win the lottery each week, or you can call the office on 8212-3177 or just drop by 265 Sturt Street, Adelaide, in the city during office hours to donate. You can also go to our website, www.italiauno.com.au, to donate directly to us. Thank you for supporting Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Gwen, the next thing I'd like to talk about is an awesome point that you made before we started the session today about leadership being a long game. And I tell you, that's something that took me, I don't know, probably a decade to learn. You know, I'm, I guess I'm a slow learner, but obviously our goal as a leader is to lead, which means people are supposed to follow. Okay. But that doesn't mean that we are supposed to break them to our will. That's not a great long-term strategy. So if you want to develop people, if you want to keep people, grow people, build people, you need to sell versus tell is what I used to say. You need to figure out their bandwagon and jump on their bandwagon and bring them around to your point of view. You don't get somebody on board and to follow you by telling them they're a dummy or yelling at them across the room. You start where they are and you lead them to where you want them to be by listening and a lot of the other things that we've talked about today. So, and, and it's key that they don't feel like they've been manipulated. They need to be led, not manipulated. So I'd like some of your feedback on that. Well, people, you don't, people won't follow unless they believe what you believe. So you have to, first of all, have a just cause. And they have to understand 
and know what they're working towards. We've already discussed all of the other techniques and the other attributes of great leaders. You know, Simon Sinek talks about in his new book, Simon Sinek is one of my favorite leadership coaches, authors, and he espouses the new conscious way of leading across the world. But he's written a book called The Infinite Game. And it's effectively all great leaders understand that leadership is a lifestyle. You're going to win sometimes and you're going to lose sometimes. But ultimately, at the end, it's about learning new skills. It's about constantly developing. It's about developing your people, the people that are within your care. And he talks about five key aspects of how to play the infinite game. As leaders, we have to have a just cause, which is what I've already said. People need to know where they're going and they need to buy into it. There has to be absolutely trust. You need to be able to engender trust and be trustworthy as a leader. You have to also have a worthy rival. And he talks about looking at your competition as worthy rivals rather than, you know, someone to beat, someone to push you so that you get better rather than someone to overcome and kind of beat up. He also then talks about being prepared for an existential shift to be able to empower workers and create a happy, productive environment. And often that means helping individuals to become more aware of who they are and where they're going. So it's awareness at all levels. And obviously to be a great leader, one of the key factors is to be self-aware, but also to help your team to be self-aware so that they can grow and get better and better and ultimately to leave you, to go on to something bigger and better for themselves and to have the courage to play what he calls the infinite game, which is means that as a leader, you never stop le- learning. You constantly grow. You open yourself up to alternative points of view, which we've already mentioned, you know, in the previous point and to continue to know that success as a leader is evolution and it takes time. It does not happen overnight. And if you were to think of all the good leaders that you were know, they were not born that way. They become good leaders because they want to be role models. They want to be able to make a difference. And they work hard to get the skills because it takes courage and it takes you standing your ground and it takes all these things. So yes, an infinite game is the long term. And not only do you grow as a person, but you help your the people within your care to grow and to be the best versions of themselves that they can be and obviously to achieve and find success, but to be happy ultimately. Mm. Yeah. Well, those of, uh, those of us that uh, might not know who Simon Sinek is, uh, his last name is spelled S-I-N-E-K Yes. because uh, this, pot, this uh, show is listened uh, in different places around the world. And your point reminded me, and I think, I'm not sure if we've talked about this before, but one of the keys to leadership is, like Shakespeare said, this above all things to thine own self be true. Actually, I should have said that on iambic pentameter, but I didn't. Um, but that's, uh, that's a fabulous point. Do you have anything else you want to uh, expand on that, Gwen, or do you think we're ready to move on to the next thing? No, I think we're ready to move on, but I'll just clarify for you, you know, Simon Sinek, 
is he's a British American author and an, he's an inspirational speaker. And he's the author of five books, including Start With Why, and now his latest one is The Infinite Game. And it was his his talk, his TED talk on Start With Why, which is where he identifies the need for purpose and cause, you know, for, for inspirational leadership. And that TED talk went viral when he first gave it and changed his whole the trajectory of his of his career and his life actually mm. so very well worthwhile he's on youtube and he has a number of talks and so across the world uh, again what was the name of that ted talk that changed his life start with why start with why yeah okay great I'm just jotting it down okay so i just want to recap that point because i think it's so important that leadership's a long game don't ever make the issues winning this specific battle more. I can't say this c clearly and strongly enough. Don't make winning this specific battle in your mind. It's a battle breaking this person to your will, getting them to do this one thing, the be all end all. The most important thing is the relationship because you want to lead this person, not just today, tomorrow, the next day, the day after that, the year after that, so on and so on. And that kind of segues into the next point I want to make is, as a leader, you need to always be wearing your development hat. You've heard the saying where, as a leader, you wear different hats. You know, you've got your training hat, your inspirational hat, your whatever hat. But you've always got to be wearing your development hat. And it reminds me of a, a, a book that I – actually, I can't even remember which book. I'm not remembering any of my references today. But the point is, is that it, they're talking about developing people. And they talk about developing people as if you're mining for gold. Now, when you mine for gold, you literally have to move tons and tons and tons and tons of dirt and, and earth and rocks to find one ounce of gold. But the point is, you don't look for the dirt. You look for the gold. So that's very important when you're developing people. Look for their strengths. Build on them. You're never going to get the best out of the people that you lead if you're nagging them all the time about all these other things. Build on their strengths. Work on their weaknesses a little bit at a time. Yeah, and again, that goes to positive reinforcement. And tell somebody what they're doing right and reinforce the things that they're good at then they will constant, they will, they're more likely to actually improve and do more and more and look for your approval and, and and do better than if you're constantly criticizing mm. because that immediately will put their backs up and and they you will not get the best out of them. Mm. And that's human nature. Mm. So, yes, we can to some extent influence through negative reinforcement, which is punishment, works for some part of it a little bit of time but actually if you really want to get the best out of anybody is to constantly tell them what's good and what you like about what they're doing and mm. they'll give you more and they'll yeah. almost become an addict for your approval yeah which is great too i mean they they want people want to please their superiors usually i mean for the most part they want to be perceived in the organization as as valuable and as making a contribution, and they want other people to think well of them. So, again, I'm not I'm not saying always be positive. And in the last session, we talked about sometimes you got to let them have it. 
You do. You got to let them have it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I, you should use the carrot more than the stick. I mean, the stick has its uses, but the ratio should be, they should have more carrots, more positives than negatives. And I think that's, that's just clear. And, and it reminds me of a guy that I had one time who, who I was managing, who was a real high flyer. I mean, just this kid was awesome. All of the natural ability you could want, natural charisma, but he had he had things that weren't great. I mean, he was, you know, a little bit all over the place. You know, usually the great the people that are really good with people aren't so great with the organizational stuff. You know, wasn't great with the with the organizational stuff, but was an inspirational leader, was charismatic, would draw people to him, would get other people to accomplish things that you would just never expect they could do. And I worked with this guy and mentored him for years, but then we got in this thing where I was like, oh, I know I can make him the greatest manager of all time, you know, and I started working on all these little things and we got into this negative spiral where, you know, I was just like this naggy man and his, his performance tanked and it was all my fault. Okay. I mean, it was my fault and, and I'll, and you know how I solved that problem? All I did is I stopped criticizing and just focused on catching him do things right. And I mean, and for a while he was performing so badly. I mean, it was like, you know, hey, that's great. You cleaned your fingernails. I mean, it seriously, it was, I mean, that's, it was, I never said you cleaned your fingernails, but you know, it'd be like, oh, you, I like your, you tied your tie on your knot. I mean, in the beginning it was like, you tied the knot on your tie really well today. I mean, it was that simple because I had so little to work with, but then I could build on it, build on it, build on it, build on it. And he was back to himself. So I just think that that's really key for us to not fall into that death spiral where we destroy what's great in people. And that's just a relational skill, Matt. That's, you do the same with your children and the same with your spouse and the same with your friends. So, you know, if you're going to, there is such a thing as constructive you know, feedback, which we've spoken about. But really, you know, if you concentrate and focus on the good and the strengths, people just want to be valued. They want to know that they are appreciated and that people notice what they can do mm. and do well. Mm. And so it's a natural thing. It's not only will they be looking to validation from you as a leader, but to their colleagues. Mm. And that gives intrinsic motivation. You know, motivated to do better, to do well, to grow. No one likes to be criticized mm. unless it's done in a constructive way and you can learn from it. And that's a great point. I mean, so yeah. many parents love their children so much and then end up in this horrible yeah. relationship and they're like, what happened? Yeah. And that's what happened. All right. Well, we're going to take another quick break here and hear from our sponsors. At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. 
will listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364 9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, Proprietary Limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Have you heard of podcasts? Podcasts are like having a personal radio station that people can listen to on demand about topics they are interested in. And now thanks to Podcast City, you can record your own podcast and have your own on-demand radio show. You can use our professional recording equipment at the studios of Radio Italia Uno or Podcast City can come to your location with our mobile studio. Podcast City can just record your audio or work with you to plan, record, edit, and distribute your podcast to your audience. If you would like to find out more and receive a free podcast startup checklist or book a time to record your podcast, call Radio Italia Uno on 8212317 or go to podcastcity.com.au. Podcast City, podcasting the easy way. Join me, Ron Fiedler and Karen Fiedler each Saturday morning from 9 to 10am for Talking Real Estate, your guide to real estate in Adelaide and South Australia. We'll bring you the latest local real estate news, interviews, tips and advice from property experts, plus report on the Italian property market and let you know about the week's open homes and upcoming auctions. And don't forget, I'll be bringing you my open home of the week. On Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM, Talking Real Estate, every Saturday morning from 9 till 10am. Be in the know with Adelaide's local real estate show. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero 1. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We have, of course, in our studio today, Gwen Meyer, NeuroChange Master Trainer and YB12 Performance Coach. We want to thank her again for being here today. It's been wonderful to be here, listening to your great stories, Matt. And I've enjoyed our interaction enormously. We're on radio, so you can't, the listeners cannot see how much I'm <laughs> blushing. And we also want to thank Ron Fiedler from Podcast City. Uh, say hi, Ron. We never let you talk. Hello, everyone. Okay. All right. I just want to do some quick, in the few mi- minutes we have left, I want to do a w- quick recap of our points from today. We, want to, we talked today about that leaders have to be brave enough to change direction. Leadership is a long game and shouldn't be used as a club. You need to sell versus tell, like we talked about before. We also talked about how we need to teach our people how to turn the negatives into positives. 
And we also talked about that as leaders, we need to look for the gold, not the dirt in the people we lead. Both Gwen and I are coaches. She's probably better, but you can contact either one of us to help you in several aspects of your life, be it business, leadership, making a personal professional change. You can contact Gwen on her website, which is www.incrementalsteps.biz. You can contact me through our Facebook page, Change the World with Matt McQuinley. If you'd like, I'd love to hear from you. I will catch you next week, Monday at 6 p.m. Adelaide time. But as now, as always, I'll leave you with a motivational, inspirational message. Hi, I'm Matt McQuinley. I want to talk a bit about the importance of visualization and focus. I'm going to do that by talking about an American housewife named Florence Chadwick. She started swimming as a young child. At the age of 32, in August of 1950, she swam the English Channel from France to England breaking the female world record. In 1951, she swam the English Channel from England to France and broke that record, also becoming the first women to swim the English Channel in both directions. The English Channel swim is about 21 miles or 34 kilometers. In 1952, she upped the challenge to 26 miles or about 42 kilometers on a swim between Catalina Island and the California coast. Unlike the English Channel, where a shark attack has never been recorded, there are quite a few attacks there. She was flanked by small boats on either side because of this. After about 15 hours in the water, a thick fog set in. Florence began to doubt herself. She swam another hour and asked to be pulled out because she was unable to see the coastline. When she was pulled out, she found out in horror from her mother that she was less than a mile away from her destination. She had swam 97% of the distance. Two months later, she swam it again. The exact same thing happened. A thick fog rolled in. This time, she said she learned her lesson. She said she kept a mental image of the shoreline in her mind and finished. She swam it twice more because she was mad at herself for psyching herself out and wanted to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that she had conquered that swim. In 1953, she swam the channel again, setting a new world record. She swam the Straits of Gibraltar. She swam the Strait of Istanbul. And she swam the Strait of Gallipoli, which is 61 kilometers. You and I would definitely use a boat for these swims. But seriously, what do we learn from this? Well, Florence Chadwick was a woman who could and did amazing things before and after this Catalina swim. But once she couldn't visualize her goal or her success, she couldn't accomplish it. So what we learn is we must keep sight of our goals, especially when we can't see them. It's even more important to hold on to that goal and that vision and be focused. And there are two kinds of people as always, listening to this radio program. One kind that will lose focus and heart and give up when it's hard to see success. And the other that will remain focused and keep the goal visualized in their mind and keep moving towards success. The question is, which one are you?